This is Mike Maniscalco, and you're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you, Mike. Welcome back, folks. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. Um, it's playoff time, baby. That is my round of applause for the Carolina Hurricanes through two games. Getting it done at home. The only team in the NHL to win their first two games on home ice. One of just two home teams to win game one. It's been a wild first couple of games in the National Hockey League. Well, in the National Hockey League playoffs, I should say. It's been a lot of fun. We've seen pretty much everything already. Things have gotten nasty. We saw seven goals in one game between the Hurricanes and Islanders. I would call bullshit if you told me that was going to happen a couple of days ago. Canes also proved they could win, you know, ugly with a 2-1 game, one win. So they've kind of done it both ways. Um, We have obviously got lots and lots to talk about. Uh, And we got black aces today. I mean, it's, it's just a good day to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Isn't that right, Matt? And yes. I know I stole your motto there early, but uh been a fun couple of days. It it has been a fun couple of days. And you know, the while this series, you know, the both games have been decided by one goal, I actually think the Hurricanes have played really well. Like a lot of their play in this series so far has been encouraging. Um you know, obviously they've gotten three power play goals, which is something we didn't necessarily expect given just the you know the this team's history of performing in the playoffs on the power play well okay actually i'm gonna go ahead and stop you right there because i think that's a really good place to start actually i don't want to talk about officiating no no not even officiating i don't care okay officiating's bad yes we know that it benefited the hurricanes for once Right. I don't care. I don't. It, it it doesn't benefit one team over the other. I mean, sure. I sure. But no, what I wanted to talk about. I'm, I'm just talking about the power play because I want. I will say, in game one, it kind of won them the game. Well, it did win them the game. Both of their goals yeah. came on the power play. They won two to one. Game two, they got one huge power play goal, but. If I'm going to pick some nits, I don't, I thought the Canes played a lot better in game one than game two. And it's probably partially because <laughs> they were on the power play a lot in game two. They had a couple four minute power plays where it were kind of like, oh, you really need a goal here. Didn't get it. They still found a way to persevere in the end after the Islanders came back with three goals, you know, to tie it and then win it in overtime, obviously. But I want to know your thoughts on the power play through two games because. You know, it might even be kind of a pointless thing to go to, but it's, it's, we, we've talked about this a lot. You know, it, it kind of feels like it's about the same, but at the same time, they've got three goals and it has kind of carried them. It's a big reason why they're where they are, but it also sucks. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's weird. Full transparency, I have not seen enough games one or two. I kind of forgot about that. You were definitely working. So that, that yeah, kind of- I was going to, I'm going to, like, I'm going to be honest, you know, I don't get to watch a lot of the home playoff games every year. Right. So, you know, the the bits that I do see, like, no joke, I had no idea that the Hurricanes had a bad game last night. (laughs) Not a clue. 
Like I heard some, like I saw somebody, I, I don't even remember who it was. And it, it was a media member. So it wasn't like it was a fan that was saying this, which is why I remember it saying like the hurricane, the hurricanes got outplayed for most of the game. And I was like, really? I think they did. I think uh, so. oh, Well, I just, I had no idea. I was like, oh, well, cool. They, they won. So I'm like happy, but I was like, oh crap. Like really? Did they have that bad of a game? Didn't have a clue. It it was interesting just because, I mean, for two very very blatant double minor penalties on the Islanders. That's look if, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, eight minutes in a sixty minute hockey game is kind of a lot. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's over ten percent of the game, which you know that's not a huge figure, but you got to think about other factors in that, like momentum and and you know directly following a power play if a team got a little momentum stuff like that you know we had those and then two other penalties too like the hurricanes spent a lot of time you know in total a fifth of the game on the power play and i i feel like those were probably their weakest moments which isn't that surprising they're one I power mean, the Islanders are a more defensive team yeah yeah they are but you know <laughs> their only power play goal was a literal own goal Shout out Sebastian Ajo. Which that was a hilarious um, own goal. I did watch that. So that's the one goal that I missed. And I watched it on the replay this morning. And I just, I had to pause the video and just kind of sit there like in disbelief for for a solid second or two. <laughs> I couldn't I believe watch, it. I always watch the highlights the next day um, or even later that night. NHL, the NHL YouTube channel literally didn't put that in the recap video I watched, the highlights. There was, they're just, all of a sudden it was 2 nothing. <laughs> oh, really? It, it was in the, it was in my highlight video that I watched. That was weird. Well, the NHL one, I, I mean, the NHL one that I watched, it literally did not have it in there. I can post it if. Uh, I will say they had, I watched the extended highlights, which is probably why it was on there. Could be. Because I know, like, Sometimes, like the you know, like the little five minute packages they do, um, those typically don't include the empty net goals. The one I watched was ten, but yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, it could have been, maybe they didn't accidentally. Who knows? Wow, wow! Can't believe that the NHL is biased against the Hurricanes. Mm, yeah, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> so, with I guess what we should mention next is Tavo Teravainen broke his hand. Um, we're not I'm not going into the situation because Brandon, you already tweeted about that. The podcast accounts mentions have been just an absolute tire fire <laughs> this this past twenty four hours. I, I'm done talking about officiating Islanders and Canes fans. I don't give a shit what <laughs> call was, was right, missed. Though. The pod the pod tweet was hundred percent right. We know that, right? I don't care. Fine officiating discourse in the playoffs is loser behavior. I'm so sorry. I've I've always, yeah, whatever. Anyways, with Tara Vinen being out, it has started a discourse in the fan base that is stupid, where half of the people are like, yeah, this sucks, and it's going to be really hard to replace Tevo Tara Vinen. And that's probably the rational take to have here, right? You know, then there's the other half that's like, good, he sucks. He doesn't do anything. And 
that is strictly based on the evidence that he has less points this year than last year. Like Tara Vinen has not played at the level that we are accustomed to seeing. That is true. But it, I think it, it can also be true that he is still way better. Like the team is still way better with him than they are without him. Don't let his defensive impact be understated. Because it's, <laughs> it's huge. He makes just so many smart defensive plays. He's always in the right position. So even if he's not making a play, he's not out of position. He's playing good defense. He's great on the penalty kill. He's disruptive. Like, yeah, these are things that the Hurricanes are going to miss. And, you know, it. it's encouraging because the Hurricanes have gotten goals this series from a variety of sources. Like, Nason, I think, has two technically <laughs> shout oh, out to Cachanajo. yeah yeah well, the one goal was an own goal so like <laughs> eh, you know it counts but you make your own luck baby right burns has two assists burns been good at least actually he might he might have more than that now that i think about it at the very no you know what I, the the play i'm thinking of was on stasny's goal where he just carries the puck through and gets it to the open point burns has four assists his four assists. Jesus. Okay. Wow. That's that's a lot better than I thought. All right. Awesome. Again, like I said, totally missed game two. Um, but then you got to go from Jacob Slavin. I just mentioned Paul Stasny, Jesper Fast. Like you've gotten depth scoring, which is something we mentioned that the Hurricanes would need. And so far through two games, you know, their best players has been the team. That's not been one or two guys, you know, so like Losing Tara Vinen sucks, and it's going to be very hard to replace him. I, I do think that the likely course of action is going to be to just put Jesse Pugliarvi in the um, um, in the lineup just because he has more NHL games of experience with the Hurricanes than like a guy like Reese Panamara, McEcker, and we'll get to all that later. But you know, he just has more time with the team. And Pugliarvi has done well defensively and physically where he can at least, maybe not make up for Tara Vinen in that aspect, but he can at least be of a similar value. You know, because he, he brings a physical brand of hockey and is great in his own end. I think Canes fans just think he sucks because he doesn't have any points. I had some guy in my mentions today be like, well, if you're so sick of him, stop tweeting about him. I'm like, and I went and looked through the guy's tweets. He has tweeted at me four times in the past 24 hours about why Pugliarvi sucks. I've not responded any time. He's come into my mentions unprompted every time. So it just sounds like this guy has a problem with him. Twitter is just a toxic cesspool in the playoffs in general. Everybody's mad. The, the playoffs bring the bring out the worst in every fan base. And yeah. like it's good to have passion. It really is. Like, I'm not trying to shit on people who are passionate fans. But there's there's a difference between being a passionate fan and just being stupid. And the problem with the playoffs is there's there's a lot of just stupidity uh, online. <laughs> there's a um, lot of added passion and a lot of added stupidity. 
Yeah, and I think I think that passion can sort of cause the stupidity to flare up a little bit more. All my takes haven't been accurate 100% of the time, and I would probably consider myself a little passionate. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say anything, but... <laughs> Like, like the, uh, the just the perfect example is all of the officiating discourse that's still continuing today. It is, it is April twentieth. Touch grass. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't want to say that again. But yeah, like I'm really happy with the fact that the Hurricanes got out of Raleigh with two wins. You know, they they did what they set out to do. The Islanders, I think, in game two realize that the only way they're going to beat the Hurricanes is if they physically beat them. Like, I don't mean winning. I mean beating, like actual like hitting, cross-checks, you know, slashes. The Canes just have to continue playing their brand of hockey because it works, at least against the Islanders. Yeah. Um, I do think that was something the Islanders definitely made a point to do was kind of ratchet up the physicality to try to knock the Hurricanes off their game. I think it worked a little bit, um, especially for a while there. Obviously, the Islanders did get three unanswered goals. But, I, I mean, I said this last – it's another thing I said last night. It's just there's a lot of resiliency and belief in that locker room. Um, and I it, I thought it was a tall task when they went down three to two, you know, third period. You got Sorokin. You got a pretty stingy defense. And not, what was it, two and a half, three minutes after the Islanders took the lead, Hurricanes made another great play. They got the goal to tie it. I can't even remember who scored it now. Slavin. Duh. Sorry. Slavin scored off of Sorokin's back. Yep. Um, And, and, you know, just like that, you got a tie game. You go into overtime. Again, we're not going to talk about it. Jordan Stahl makes a great pass to Jesper Faust. Beautiful quick release, top corner. Boom, you got a game two win and a two-nothing series when heading to New York. Um, but you make a great point about the depth scoring that had kind of escaped the Hurricanes to finish out the regular season. And the defensive scoring has been so imperative for so long now. Um, and Brady Shea's kind of had some struggles in the first couple of games. He had a really bad turnover that led to Matt Barzell's tying goal at the end of the second period. Really, really big mistake. I mean, 20 seconds left in the period. You got the puck near the red line. You got to just get it in behind him. Like a, you know, a, a weak pass to the middle like that was just, I kind of threw my hands on my head when it happened. I was like, bro, what are you doing? And then they scored. And I was just kind of was like, you got to, you know, just, just can't do it. <laughs> um, So Shay's had some struggles and other guys have picked up the slack. You know, we talked about Jacob Slavin, a goal and an assist last night his usual stellar defensive play. Brett Pesci, I think, has had a very good series. He's not been factoring in on the score sheet, but he looks a lot more like the Brett Pesci we kind of hope for. I talked about him in the past. As, I thought he had some struggles at times this year, but I think he's had a really, really good start to these playoffs. Um, and then I, I, we got to talk about Shane Gostisbehere and Jalen Chatfield a little bit because they have been absolutely fantastic. And, and Shane Gostisbehere in general, man, I tweeted this to somebody in a reply earlier, but I love that guy. Like, I just think he's not just an offensive defenseman. I have loved the way he's battled really ever since he came over to the Hurricanes in his own end. Not a big guy. He's not a bruiser by any stretch of the imagination, but he jumped on Matt Martin's head last night, did a dolphin dive into the pile after that stall hit. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's fearless. I love it. You always hear about players elevating their game in the playoffs. Like that's something that gets tossed around like a pretty regularly, right? But Shane Gostasper is a great example of that, where he truly has, you know, added to his game. He's become scrappier, feistier, because he has to be. You know, he has to play with a bit of an edge in order to compete in the playoffs. And Jalen Chatfield's been great, too. I mean, like, somebody last night asked, like, what's Jalen Chatfield going to have to do to get a shirt in the store? I mean, I don't want to answer that, but, like, Chatfield's been great. That you know, like he he has been exactly what the Hurricanes wanted from him, and then found a way to exceed those expectations. So that's that goes into the depth too. Like even though really your third pairing hasn't shown up on the score sheet, they're doing so much. These pa- they've done so much these past two games to give the Hurricanes. A, the best chance to win and the Canes have won both games. It's great. I mean, you know, you mentioned Burns with three assists or four assists. Burns is just awesome. He he is so good. We've talked about him all year long, but man, he is just so good at hockey. And the Islanders have done a ton to try to take him away too. Like they have totally after those first two power plays really adjusted to just kind of suffocate him. They're basically playing him like, you know, other teams play the uh, Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin on the power play. Just totally uh, off the shooting lane. I said basically, not exactly. Well, I was going to say, you know, how, how has that worked out for those teams? Well, that's what I'm saying. And, and like, I was going to make that point if you'd let me finish, you okay, asshole. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but Ovechkin's so good at his craft that it doesn't really matter. And Brent Burns has four points in two games. So he's still found a way to get his shots through on that. He's still found a way to create for others. It's opened up some seam passes. I, I, I think the Hurricanes have a little ways to go with capitalizing on some of the things the Islanders are doing. But I have seen some flashes. At times when they have really pushed up the takeaway burns, it's kind of opened up seam passes. It opens up the middle a little bit. So he's... They've nearly taken advantage a couple of times. And I think at some point as the season goes, as the series goes on, excuse me, I think we're going to see the Hurricanes capitalize on one or two of those chances. They've trip set it on the broadcast last night. It's opened up the goal line for them a little bit. They almost hit on one of those little quick hitter plays goal line back out to the bumper spot in the slot for a one timer. Nason almost got a good chance or did get a good chance from there last night. Um, Just in general, I, I like the way, well, I like that they're starting to see some of those things, if that makes sense. Even if their puck movement still isn't probably as quick and as crisp as it needs to be to really capitalize, but the opportunities are there. That's something they can look at on film. And and I think there's a couple adjustments in general for the hurricanes to make as the series shifts up to New York. Um, One thing the Islanders did a much better job of in game two than in game one was creating speed through the middle of the ice. They really opened things up and were able to hit on some longer passes and that allowed guys like Matt Barzell, who's really coming along and looking more like himself after, you know, he was hurt in the year. Um, He was able to create some speed through the middle of the ice. We saw that on one of his goals. Granted, that was off a terrible turnover, but in general, they were able to create entries against the Hurricanes a lot more easily than in game one. Those were adjustments by Lane Lambert, and I think it's going to be kind of on Rod Brindamore to maybe, you know, 
not anything major, but to make a few little tinkers with his system or what the Hurricanes are doing in order to, you know, counteract that once again. Overall, though, I mean, it's it's hard to be too upset with with what's happened. You know, like the Hurricanes have won both games. You took care of home ice. And even if you, you know, they even said in some of the post-game interviews I heard, they know they didn't play their best. And I, I think there's a belief that their best hockey's, you know, they're going to put it together and find another gear here. And um, that's, I mean, that's what you want to hear. <laughs> like, I, it's good that they know that wasn't their best and uh, have clearly identified a few things they want to improve upon between now and, you know, the next couple of games. So Hurricanes are in good shape. Brandon, I have a question for you, and you're not going to like it. Okay. Is the fact that the Hurricanes did not win a road game last year going to be in their heads tomorrow night when they play on Long Island? You know, that's that's something I, I, I'm glad you kind of brought it up here because it's definitely something we, we, we need to talk about. I think the Hurricanes are going to lose one of the next two games, but I think they're going to win one of the next two games. I think they split in New York and head back with a chance in game five to finish it out. There's a lot to be said for the Hurricanes' ability to, you know, feed off the energy of PNC Arena. And, I mean, shit, home ice, is that's an advantage in any league in any sport, pretty much, unless you're the Oakland Athletics, RIP. Um, topical. But um, I know, I know. I wasn't expecting an Oakland Athletics reference on this podcast, but you know, very sad, man. I feel for that franchise. But anyway, I think one big advantage the Hurricanes have this year that they didn't last year. A, I don't think they're playing as dangerous of a team that can eat their matchups alive. Not like the New York Rangers and Boston Bruins could. That's one thing. Two, I don't think the Hurricanes have those kinds of matchups at all that can be victimized. I mean, sure, if you end up out there, you know, Bo Horvat and Matt Barzell out against Paul Stasny and Derek Stepan, probably not going to end well. But generally probably speaking, not. I feel pretty good about Jalen Chatfield and Shane Gossespair out there anytime. I feel pretty good about Shane. You know, the same goes for Burns and, and Slavin. You know, last year, it was D'Angelo and Slavin. <laughs> like, even that pairing, like, I think I brought up at one point last year, like, do you think teams are really afraid to put their top line out against Jacob Slavin? Because you know who else is out there? Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> like, Slavin can only mask so much. Now you got Brent Burns out there who is, you know, he's not an elite defensive defenseman, but he's a rock solid to pretty good one. And Here's, here's the difference between Brent Burns and Tony D'Angelo. And Pete Level is part of it. One is a future first ballot Hall of Famer. The other plays for the Philadelphia Flyers and was scratched on this year's Philadelphia Flyers. The Hurricanes' defense is so much better with Burns on it rather than D'Angelo. So... I think if you're the Hurricanes, the matchups, like you said, are less of a concern. They they still, you know what, they still might be a bit of a concern. Like, you're missing Tavo Teravine, and that's obviously going to hurt your power play against a better, or your penalty kill against a better team. 
but Burns is just so much better, man. Like, the thing about D'Angelo is the way he would try to defend would be to just fling himself at the puck carrier. <laughs> Burns is more calculated, like, if that makes any sense. Like, D'Angelo's first instinct was just to skate as hard as he could to the person with the puck. And then when that person passed the puck, he is at the other end of the ice on an island by himself. And the other player, Jacob Slavin, is left to defend a three-on-one. Burns sees a rush coming, is patient, and then will either attack with his stick or his body, depending on what he sees fit. Is he always successful? No, but his rate of success is a lot higher and the Hurricanes aren't as, or they don't give up as good of a scoring chance because of that. All right, let's talk real quick, because I don't want to spend too much time on this last question, and then we'll get to the Black Aces. Well, let's do the ad break then first. We're at a stopping point. Yeah, sure, that sounds good. Okay, you guys, real quick, as you all well know by now, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take just a quick minute and get a word from our friends over at DraftKings. It is NBA playoffs time, and that means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Opt in and place the same game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bet back up to $10. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. You may as well put your money on the Celtics. Best team in the league. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. All right, we're back. <laughs> we didn't actually go anywhere. No, we're back. We have the ad reads during the pod now, and they're actually going pretty all right, so that's nice. Yeah. Brandon, is the goaltending a positive, neutral, or a cause for concern through two games? There's two ways to look at it to me. One, you can be a little pessimistic and say, yeah, I don't think Antti Rantas looked great. But on the flip side, I don't think he, he I almost called him Igor Sorokin. Um, I don't think Ilya Sorokin has been at the top of his game either. And ultimately, I mean, he's been good, but I've seen Sorokin play a lot more superhuman than he has the first couple of games too. That's all I'm saying. But with, I mean, at the end of the day, despite the fact that Antti Ranta has played two games and I think really every goal he's allowed, you might want back, if we're being honest. The first goal, you know what? The very first goal he allowed was like a changeup from Ryan Pulak. It, it kind of, he fanned on the shot and it rolled in on him and, you know, he kind of swatted at it and it ramped up his stick and into the corner of the net. Kind of a fluky goal, but one you can kind of brush off. Because I think the rest of that game, Ranta was really, really good. Oh, yeah, he was outstanding in that game. He he really was. And then game two, I think he struggled. 
And, you know, definitely the second and third goals, he kind of got beat from a distance. You know, it, it looked like there maybe was a little bit of a screen on the Barzell goal. Brock Nelson had a good shot, but like, again, it's a save. He kind of, kind of, you, you want him to make, like he sees it all the way. He does have a little bit of pressure from the backside. So you have to assume the shot is coming right then. There's no element of surprise. There's no screen. You'd like your goalie to make a save there. You know, it, just some okay goals here and there, I, I would say. And the other goal, obviously, you know, there's another thing that I don't really want to go too much into. I might have challenged it, honestly. Just because I don't really think the Islanders' power play is going to make you pay too much, I, I I thought Pierre Engvall skated into the crease. His skate made contact with Ronta's skate, and that's exactly where the puck slid into the net. I don't know if it gets overturned. It it, it was it was pretty minor contact, but like nobody knows ball, what goalie interference is. That's part of it, and just like he he skates in there, his skate hit Ronta's skate. The puck slides right by Ronta that that skate. You know, I, I don't know. It was a weird one. I, I think I felt more strongly about it than most people. So I was just like, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But for for a lot of reasons, you know, the the chance of it being overturned, the momentum sway that it maybe would give you, kind of dashing the Islanders' hopes a little bit. And, and even if, I, you know, momentum's a funny thing in the playoffs. Even if they did get a power play out of it, I trust the number two penalty kill against the number 31 power play. And the Hurricanes really do feed off of their penalty kills. I think that's a big thing for them. So anyway, small potatoes. But ultimately, I I think you should feel good about it because I think Ronta is going to play better than he has. And you're up two to nothing, you know? Okay. I guess the reason I ask that is because, you know, obviously a couple of those goals in game two he would have liked back. And if game two's performance becomes more of a trend than a one-off, I guess the question really is how confident are you in Anderson? See, and and that was, I, I did have, it was probably mostly a fleeting thought today, but it was like, I wonder if there's any chance we could see Freddie Anderson in game three. I doubt it with just coming off another win. You know, you're up two nothing in the series. I, I don't think you make a goalie change with that. You know, those are that's weird because if you do that and then the team loses game three, it's the optics are just kind of rough. Um, but I, I do think Ronta's left at least a little bit to be desired. And I mean, it's just kind of weird. You know, Freddie's always been the de facto guy. He was brought here to be the guy last year. He was definitely the guy until he got hurt. And now he's actually at least somewhat healthy for the playoffs. I think he was out because of an illness last night or not backing up, but you know, it's, it's kind of strange that we could be looking at a scenario where in the two years of Freddie Anderson's tenure, you know, he might leave after this season. He is an unrestricted free agent. In the two years that he was here, the Hurricanes were an elite regular season team that made the playoffs. And, you know, it looks like they're going to play multiple rounds in both unless they, you know, crumble and lose for the next five. We might not see Freddie Anderson play a playoff game for the team. That's a legitimate possibility. There's the, the question. I It's so weird, man. Like, I thought we had moved past the goaltending discourse last year. <laughs> Right. 
Um, but yeah, this year, I mean, Anderson's play has left a lot to be desired and it's just, you know, it's, it's something that's interesting. Like, yes, losing your players is going to hurt, but at the end of the day, it's your goaltending that really matters. So just something to keep an eye on. I shit post a lot during the playoffs. Can we just, yeah. it's been, it's been good shit posting so far, but I said lots of Bronta discourse I see. He's made a lot of big saves, but all three goals were real bad. F it, Piotr for the third. I don't care. Let's get weird. That kid's built for the moment anyway. He'd be in there fighting Matt Martin and shit. Let's fight. Let's light a fire, baby. My point is, start him game three. I kind of want to see a Piotr Kochekov versus Ilya Sorokin fight. Let's go, dude. What are we waiting for here? That would be peak television. Things are ramping up in this series. I think it's going to continue to be feisty. The Islanders are going to come out. You, you know that's one thing about the next game three. The Islanders are going to come out and try to start shit. Guarantee it. There's no way they don't. So, I don't know. Why not throw the kid in there? He loves that shit. He feeds off it. He'd probably be, like, flipping the bird at the crowd and stuff. I, I'm, I'm here for it all day. Love it. Kids got personality. If they're winning at the end of the game and he gets in a fight, he's gonna tell the crowd to go home again. <laughs> oh, he's he's my spirit animal, honestly. Yeah. It's gonna be Ranta until the team loses, in my opinion. I mean, they may go with Anderson in game four just to give Ranta a night off, but I, I really don't know, man. That's another um, interesting question. If they're up three nothing going into game four, do you give Freddie some, you know, see some action? I think you give him a start um just to keep him fresh. Just yeah, in case. I think there's a chance. If they win game three, I, I don't think it would hurt. But mm-hmm. if Ronta plays really well in game three, that also could kind of dash it. You know, if he goes out there and makes a bunch of spectacular saves on the but way. But if Ronta's the reason we win, yeah. 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 All right. The last thing I want to talk about is Black Aces. It finally happened, guys. We finally <laughs> saw a Jameson Reese. Is it, this is his first call-up to the NHL, isn't it? Technically? It's his first, like, official one. He may have been recalled, like, to give the Canes, like, a little bit of extra LTIR room at the beginning of the year. I don't even think that happened, but maybe. But, yeah, this is... Because you remember last year they recalled Drury and Makiniemi and then immediately sent them down? Yeah. Yeah. I think that might have happened to Reese this year, but... um. Henceforth, 420 shall be known as Jamison Reese call-up day. There's nothing else important that happens on 420. That's the only reason this is a holiday from now on. Right. It's something. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of hand-wringing, and I, I all I tweeted was LOL when the player I have taken to calling Mac Mac got called up. Someone, so, someone has to have called him that by now, right? Mackenzie McEachern? Mac Mac? I'm sure his family... Calls him something like that. It's got to be. That's that's too good of a nickname not to. Mac Mac. Love it. Um, not super exciting of a call-up option. He's, it doesn't really matter because he's not going to play, I don't think, unless something else bad happens. But it was a little disappointing to me, if I'm being honest. Just because it's like, worst case scenario, he does have to play. What does he bring you? And I, I, so he, I understand the argument is like you don't want to throw a kid like Jamison Reese and Vasily Ponomarev into the fire, and especially in a series like this, NHL playoff series. It's tight, it's physical, and that's their first taste of NHL action. There's a very solid, valid argument against that. 
But at the same time, I just think they're better hockey players. Here's here's why Mackenzie McEachern was called up. He has 115 games of NHL experience and five playoff games. Yeah. And 218 games of AHL experience in addition. And then in addition, he has 28 AHL playoff games. So he has like 350 professional games under his belt. And Jamison Reese might only have 100. Billy Panamarov has like 70. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, McEachern had 30 points in 37 games since this whole season, 30 points in 37 games. That's really solid. Um, he's 6'2", 194, plays a bit of a physical presence, hangs around the net. So, you know, he's just kind of like a fourth line forward. And with his pro experience, you feel more comfortable putting him in the lineup rather than somebody like Jamison Reese or Vasily Panamarev, guys that up until this point haven't even seen an NHL regular season game. Because the regular season on its own is a big jump from the AHL, but the playoffs are a totally different beast. I think the only prospect in recent memory that's made their debut, like for the Hurricanes, Alexi Sarala, played a handful of playoff games and sucked. I remember that. That was yeah. yeah, and he had only had like maybe a cup of coffee at the NHL level before then. So you know, while it's not ideal, and again, this account, like you know, I, I joke on the prospects account that like I'm all about fun. But it's absolutely the right call going with experience over, you know, maybe a rookie. Because it would, here's the thing, it would be different if we were talking about like a Shane Wright or somebody of that caliber, like prospect wise. We're talking about. Jamison Reese, a guy that may not play above an NHL fourth line, and Vasily Ponomarev, who pretty much is penciled in for next year's third line. Like we're talking about, you know, guys that may not have the biggest impact on the game. So their impact in the playoffs may not be that great. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, we haven't really gone through the whole list. Other guys that got called up include Zach Sawchenko in net. Um, I believe Max Lajoie in, on defense. And then you also have Ryan Suzuki. I like that for him. And Vili Koivinen, who I also I tweeted this earlier. I really like that for him, too. Um, obviously, Koivinen's really just getting his feet wet at the AHL level in the last couple of weeks. But I think that's really cool for him to get an opportunity to come up, practice with the guys a little bit. You know, I'm sure they'll be in the press box watching the games. Um, I I just think it'll be a good opportunity for those young guys to be around the team, be in the locker room after the game, maybe stuff like that. I I think that's valuable at this point in their careers. Um, Yeah, he's it's going to allow for them to be well for Koivin and especially he's going to get more of a feel of what the North American game is like. Um, You're going to see what these guys go through, too that's the big thing is influencing his off season training. Um, He needs to add some weight and he needs to add some power working with the hurricane strength and conditioning coaches now is going to be huge 
because he can, you know, he's got this time to practice. He can work on adding some muscle mass in his legs. He can work on getting a more powerful stride. So that's what the one thing that I noticed, he cannot get up to top speed quickly. It's like, you know, his legs are moving, but I, I described this as, um, he, here's a perfect example. And it, it, you're going to laugh at me, but this is how, this is how Vili Koivinen skates. He skates like Shaggy and Scooby-Doo running away from a villain <laughs> where the legs are moving, but they're not going anywhere. But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's what happens. Like Koivinen, his motor's going, he's not really going anywhere. So like working on that <laughs> is going to be really helpful. Um Getting getting Ryan Suzuki just more time with the NHL team is a good thing. From what I saw this year, like he did really well. Um, his line with McEachern and um, Stromwall was great towards the end. So I think if Suzuki has a healthy offseason to grow, I think we could be talking about him in training camp. I don't I don't know if we're talking about him as like a roster player, but I, I you know, I think we're at least saying like, hey, this kid's close. You know, that's it's an interesting point you kind of bring up here because I feel like we're kind of saying that about Jamison Reese, Vasily Panamarev, and Ryan Suzuki at this point. Suzuki finished the mm-hmm. season strong. He was healthy. You could really see his confidence growing and like his skill starting to show through the reason he was a first round pick what feels like ages ago. I don't know what the Hurricanes roster makeup is going to look like going into next year, but you have to think at least one of those guys, they've got to have at least one open spot for one of them to give them a real battle in camp. And whoever's the best, whoever earns it should get the roster spot. You got to think that, right? Cause I mean, at some point there's not that much more these kids can do in the AHL. I know, especially in, um, Panamara's case, he doesn't have like a huge track record yet. And and really neither does Suzuki and Reese, but you know, they're getting into their twenties now, you know, Panamara might be 20 or 21, but um, at some point you got to give them a chance to see what they can do. You know, it really, I, I don't want to get into this too much because this is an off season topic, Sure, but it really benefits guys like Panamara, Reese, et cetera, et cetera that the only players that are becoming UFAs or free agents in general are guys in the bottom six. Yeah. Like there's a roster spot for Reese and Panamara next year. And it's going to help the team because even though, you know, guys like Stasny, Foss, even Stepan are not making all that much, you know, if you can replace Paul Stasny with Jamison Reese or Vasily Panamarov, you're saving about six hundred thousand. Plus, you can I replace just... Yes for Foss with Jamison Reese. You're saving a little over a million. Like that's something right there, you know. And I just think it, you know, maybe not in Foss' case. Foss has been a really important player, I think, for this team for a couple of years, even when he hasn't been putting the puck in the net like he did last night. But I just think having a little more speed and that youthful energy in their bottom six is going to help a little bit. I, yeah, right now the bottom six is a bit of a retirement home. It's slow. It's very slow, and it kind of works against what the Hurricanes are trying to do. I mean, think about it. Sometimes hockey's kind of basic. Those guys take a while to get into the zone when you dump it in. <laughs> like, if have you ever really tried to watch Derek step on forecheck? Because he's not super effective at it. 
you know, Jack Drury will dump the puck into his corner and, you know, he he's, he's he never really gets there. And speaking of Jack Drury, he is one player I, I, I've i liked him through the first couple of games. And I think this is a decent place to kind of end off. Um, I'm curious to see how the Hurricanes are going to line up in game three without Tara Vinen. I've liked the way Jack Drury's played. I've liked the way Seth Jarvis has played. I think Jarvis is kind of turning it on again. You know, part of the reason he really succeeded in the playoffs last year and what's made him, you know, a lot of who he was as a prospect and young player is his compete level. And I think he really gets up for playoff games. He's starting to create a lot more offense. He drew a big penalty in the third, second or third period last night. Um, Ryan Pulak had to trip him from point blank because he was in the mix forcing a turnover and would have had a great A on Sorokin from point blank and Pulak tripped him. So those are two guys that I'm kind of looking at as this series continues on. Um, and, and I'm kind of curious to see if Jack Drury, maybe maybe he's the guy that gets bumped up into the top six with Tara Vinen out. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because I, I don't think you put Pulley Arvey up there. Not at this time of the year. Not with the way he's kind of struggled to produce offensively. Again, I've liked the way Pulley Arvey's played since he's come over. I think he has a role even in this playoff series, but I don't think he's a guy you can put on Sebastian Ajo's wing right now and expect anything to happen. The only the only disagreement I have with you is if you take Drury off the fourth line, that fourth line gets slow. Well, Puljujarvi's not slow. Sure, but I don't know, man. Drury has worked really well on that line as a four checker, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not Rod. All right, fine. So, Just put Panamarov up there. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> my my um, tweet my my tweet the the tired wired inspired with Alexander Nikishin like <laughs> I was proud of that. Like I said, you do it to yourself, bro. You do it. To oh, yourself. I think you know. First line. I actually like- have another tweet for tomorrow. <laughs> it's probably going to be tweeted before the podcast goes up. Jeez. I'm very excited for it. Um, anyways, anyways. Um, First line winger, Alex Nikishin, make it happen. All right, last thing. I, I know I was just talking about him and how he like hasn't scored and stuff. I was going to say this even before we just, you know, this conversation was just born. Yesapoya Yarvi is going to score his first Hurricanes goal on Long Island. Game three or game four. I'm feeling game three. I think his first game into the lineup, he's going to pot one. He's going to be in the bottom six, and he's going to pot one. You watch. All right. You heard it here first. I'm not betting anything on that. (laughs) Either am I, but it's going to happen. Kings are up 2-0 in the series. It's... You know, the vibes are fairly good right now, even with Tara Vinen being out. Folks, let's just enjoy it while we can. Kind of hard to be too upset with how things have gone so far. I I do want to real quick, you know, we are at the very end of the podcast, so there's probably not very many people listening anymore. So this is a good place for life updates. First off, nicotine free today. This is probably my first day in years since I've not eaten. Hell yeah. I'm tooting my own horn because it's my fucking podcast. No, I'm sorry. It's our podcast. But still, that's that's a, that's a good thing. I can't even. Yeah, hear. yeah. It's uh, I probably shouldn't have done it like during the playoffs of hockey because I'm like stressed. But 
<laughs> no, but uh, so there's that. I have not had nothing today. No vape, nothing. Um, so that's that's been good. I also just accepted a position. I hope nobody at my current job listens to this because I haven't told them yet. But I just accepted a position for a new job. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but I'm not 100% sure what happens the next little while as I'm settling into my new job here. I'm definitely not leaving the podcast or anything. We're going to, we're going to do weekly. We'll still be around. Um, we might just shift our schedule a little bit. Matt and I, Matt and I have kind of floated the idea, you know, right now my work schedule is very random. I work weekends. Sometimes I work, you know, just get my 32 ish hours in a week. Um, but this will be 40 hours and Monday through Friday. So I'm gonna have a very set schedule. We'll find time to record. Um, it's just the editing really is, is the problem. So we might do weekends. We we'll, we'll figure all that stuff out, but, um, I, I don't know. I haven't written an article in a very long time. So I just feel like sometimes I need to say something because <laughs> people, I don't know. Maybe nobody's even paying attention, but anyway, that's my little, we'll find, we'll find a stepdad for a little bit. <laughs> there you go. Um, or who wants to be an editor? Anybody want to? I'll start paying them. I don't even care. Somebody edit a podcast. <laughs> Before Brandon rudely interrupted me <laughs> with his life updates. Um, I know nobody I'm, cares. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, thank you, folks. We love and appreciate you. Yes, even you. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. 